praise the Lord. Amen. I tell you, uh, Brother Hagin used to get up after a good praise and worship session, and he would say, well, if we went home now, we could say we were blessed. Amen. That's how I feel right now. If we went home now, we could say it was worth coming out just to sing some of those songs and to worship the Lord together. And I tell you, there, you know, we can, I, Scarlett can tell you, I've got a soundtrack going in my head all the time, gospel music and things. Sometimes I'll sing it out and whistle it out and try to remember all the words. And, uh, that's, that's a great thing to have a song in your heart, be praising the Lord. We should live like that. But you know, there's just something about gathering together and worshiping with other believers that strengthens our worship. And strengthens our praise. How many found that to be true? And it just, uh, it's just, it, sometimes there's just nothing like it in the world, uh, to, to gather together and worship together. And that's the whole idea. You know, some people act like they're doing God a favor by getting up and going to church, you know, like, uh, okay, Lord, I went there. Give me a point. But <laughs> I get a point on my little Sunday school chart, a gold star. But, uh, you know, maybe that's where we got that impression. You know, we earn a gold star if we show up and we don't get one if we don't. And so we, we don't get the prize at the end of the semester or whatever. But, uh, the quarter, it was quarterlies, wasn't it? Yes, the quarter, at the end of the quarter. But, uh, you know, that's a little misnomer there. We're not doing God a favor by coming. We're doing ourselves a favor. Amen. And so again, we, we do welcome everyone that's watches by internet and, and we have a goal and a heart in this ministry to expand our media coverage to television and radio and some other things that just the Lord's been dealing with me about the last several months. And, uh, hopefully that'll raise awareness, amen, of our ministry and, and, uh, reach more people. Praise God. It's all about that. It's all about reaching the world. We, you think about the Great Commission, it is given to the church universal. It is given to the church, uh, corporately. But it's also, I believe, it's given to us personally and everywhere in between. Amen? So, uh, not only does every, does the entire body of Christ have the Great Commission to reach the lost, but every local church has that commission too. Amen? And then every believer has that commission to reach the world with the gospel and to, to be a witness. Amen? And so uh, we're going to do that. But that being said, there's, there's still nothing like coming and gathering together. So let me encourage you, as Pastor Scarlett has already done, that if you're in the Tampa Bay area and you're sitting at home... <laughs> Um, if you can, make it out to some of our services. I believe you'll be blessed. And we always have a good time in the Lord. Amen. Well, okay, I'll get off my soapbox and preach. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy uh, 2.15. Amen. 2 Timothy. Not to be confused with 1 Timothy. Uh, hallelujah. We praise God today for the word. Amen. Second Timothy two, 
and verse 15. We're going to just preach a real practical message today about rightly dividing the Word. Rightly dividing the Word. Now, if we could just get this in the body of Christ, it would show a great deal of maturity. (laughs) Because I think sometimes we don't rightly divide. We end up in trouble when we don't. Uh, Notice here uh, Paul's letter. It's It's his epistle to Timothy, his son in the faith. He's encouraging him in the Lord, mentoring him, fathering him. And he gives him these words right here. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So if it says that we can rightly divide, then it leaves the impression, the mirror image of that, is that you could wrongly divide. You could you could use the word, you could twist scriptures to make a point that you want to make. And so oftentimes this is what happens. We, we, we will present a doctrine that we think some brilliant idea and then try to use scripture to back that doctrine instead of the other way around. Let scripture itself establish the doctrine. The scripture itself is enough for the doctrine. Amen. Otherwise, you end up with all kinds of craziness, which I'm going to refer to in just a minute. The craziness. And then if you would look, we'll just, we'll just read our scriptures here, talking about rightly dividing. Look at 2 Corinthians 13, 1. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 13, 1. Uh, this is the third time I am coming to you, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, in the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So again, this is talking about uh, growing up. Paul also mentioned in another uh, place that we won't take time to turn to, that we uh, grow up, amen, mature in Christ, that we no longer be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Amen. Now, you know, there was, there was sort of this, this spirit or attitude in the early days of the charismatic movement. Thank God for the charismatic movement. I believe that it was a real move of the spirit. And so oftentimes things can be a real move of the Spirit, and yet it can get hijacked because there's not, uh, it's not being rightly divided. Amen? What's being taught and what's being preached. And so, uh, believe it or not, I'm old enough to have lived through <laughs> a few of the, the moves of the Spirit. Amen? We call them moves of God or, or, uh, revivals or outpourings, and certainly there's all that is included. I like to say it this way. It looks to me like, just from my viewpoint, historically, that a lot of these what we call moves of God were more of an emphasis of the Spirit for that moment. Not saying there wasn't an outpouring. Not saying there wasn't a flooding of the Spirit from heaven upon people. There was. Amen. And uh, we've got scripture for that too. 
the Bible talks about in the book of Acts. They were all with one accord. They were in unity in one place. And the Spirit of God was literally poured upon them until that the folks that, that saw them said they had flames of fire. Their hair was on fire. <laughs> they were so moved upon by the Spirit. Amen. And they were filled with the Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So that was definitely a, an outpour. How many can see that? That that was a outpouring. That was a gifting by the Holy Spirit upon the people of God. And so I believe in those outpourings. I believe God used Martin Luther uh, to uh, argue. <laughs> and, you know, he never he never set out and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start my own group, but I'm going to call it the Lutherans. No, he didn't do that. He he said I'm he never intended to leave what was the only church really kind of that was in existence by then. It was the leftovers. I mean, there we can get into historical weeds here, but uh, there was the sort of the leftovers of of the remnants of what had been the early church grew into the oh, it was kind of a large sect of it. But it kind of grew into what was the universal, the Catholic Church and the Roman Catholic Church and kind of got off base a little bit and started selling indulgences to get into heaven. So you literally had to pay a ransom to get yourself and your relatives out of hell. And I'm sorry to tell you that some of smidgen of that is still alive on the earth. There, there are places in this world, we don't want to admit it, it's ugly, we don't want to look at it, but there are places on this world where that kind of activity still continues. And uh, and so Martin Luther, how many believe God used him? I mean, he wasn't perfect. He made mistakes. I don't know if he would qualify for credentials with the Assemblies of God today. But uh, I will tell you one thing, <laughs> that he, he certainly stuck his neck out, literally, to... Uh, to try to bring a rightly divided word, amen, about righteousness and grace and righteousness by faith. Praise the Lord. And I'm so grateful for those early reformers who uh, said this, this system has gone bad. The potato salad has gone bad. We need to change it. And so uh, that's what I'm talking about. So was there a real move of the Spirit with the Reformation? I believe there was. Was there a real move of the Spirit with Azusa Street and the early days of Pentecost and what was poured out? Amen. It was an outpouring. It was a, it was a outpouring, downpouring, <laughs> touching the rain of the Spirit, however you want to describe it, uh, from different ways to look at it and a revival and a renewal and an awakening. And then there were the early awakenings before that. And I don't want to get into a big history lesson here, but just to get you to see some things, that there needed to be emphasis in places where otherwise those parts of Scripture and Spirit would have been lost. Now, it was the same way with the healing revival in the early 50s, you know, and late 40s, early 50s, uh, into the, well, late 40s to late 50s, was the healing revival and that was definitely an outpouring of the Spirit. And uh, Brother Hagen, who was there in the middle of that, and a member of the Voice of Healing, and and uh, along with A.A. A. Allen and Jack Coe, and some of the, Oral Roberts wasn't a part of the Voice of Healing, but he spoke for their conventions. 
And uh, so some of those great tent evangelists and revivalists and people, amen, God, God was pouring out His Spirit. America was being healed. People that had grown up in Pentecost who believed in divine healing had, had never experienced a healing, had never even witnessed a healing. It had been decades since there was real healing ministry that was manifested, and the Spirit of God did that mighty thing. Amen? Isn't that wonderful? And um, and then some of them kind of got off in La La Land. And and uh, the minute you the minute you leave Scripture, I don't care if God is moving. The minute you leave Scripture and you start making a fundamentalist dogma out of it, you've usually left the Spirit behind, and that's when things get wacky. Okay. <laughs> so. The same thing happened later. Finally, we get move up to the charismatic movement. And thank God, what an outpouring. I mean, to see Roman Catholic nuns in a cathedral worshiping God and praying in other tongues and singing in the Spirit and uh, those things. And uh, Catholic priest and Anglican uh, priest and Lutheran priest uh, praying in tongues and, and, and being filled with the Spirit and those kinds of things, a couple of Baptists here and there, but <laughs> there was the charismatic movement was was almost stronger amongst the liturgical churches than they were the evangelical churches, and yet there was a lot of Baptists and Methodists and folks that came into the things of the Spirit. That that all being said, what a what a what a introduction. That all being said, I'm, I'm telling you that with each move of God, you can look back and see where when the Scripture stopped being rightly divided and there was an overemphasis on something great and something good, we got into error and uh, you end up with flaky stuff that embarrassed everybody. Uh, Pentecost did it. Charismatic did it. Word of Faith did it. We've all done it. The Grace people have done it. Uh, everybody has done it. It's just human nature for us to want to grab a hold of what is done by the Spirit and put a fence around it and put our name on it and say that's it, tie a bow, and uh, and become up with a with some strange doctrine. So you know, too much. We used to used to say too much of anything can be too much. You know, you could say, well, how could you, how could you get off just. Why don't you just, I've had people say this to me, why don't you just only preach on love? Well, because love is not the whole Bible. God is love. The Bible's full of love. We love. We walk in love. 1 Corinthians 13, amplified especially. The great love chapter. Amen. Thank God for His love. We sing about His love and we say we love each other and we're into love. Amen. But you know, if all you ever taught on was the love of God, you'd miss other things that are part of of being able to express that love. Amen? And so, uh, Brother Hagin, the Lord told him, go teach my people faith. It was an absolute mandate. And it was so necessary at the time. If you look at where the church, the body of Christ, especially in the United States, was at that time, my goodness, did we ever need teaching on the integrity of God's Word. Because people were going around saying things like this all the time. Well, I know what the Bible says, but you just never know what God's will is. Without connecting the dots that His Word is His will. And so you had so much Calvinism 
seeping in from somewhere. I don't know. Maybe it was from the universities. I don't know what. But somehow, the pure message of faith, the pure idea of believing God, was just suddenly being diluted with something that left you with no faith. So God knows how to fix His people. God knows how to to bring the church from a place that's not healthy to a place that is healthy. And so we were unhealthy, especially for gospel people. I don't want to leave everybody else alone. That's all I know. But you know, we, 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 we needed that message. And people say it was the faith message, but actually more importantly, it was the message of the integrity of God's word. If God said it, that's it. I believe it. That settles it. It's in the Bible, and even if I don't like it personally, I'm going to receive it and I'm going to accept it. That was the real message. Amen. And so what we did is we stopped, uh, a lot of us Pentecostal people, <laughs> we stopped, uh, and I have credentials. I have, uh, I can say that. I am Pentecostal. My great-great-grandmother wore her hair on a knot and spoke in tongues, so and didn't wear makeup and had a hairy lip with those nares of the devil. So I'm telling you, I, I, I can speak uh, as an insider from Pentecost, amen, uh, that we uh, were moved a lot by how we felt. And if we felt the Lord, then we had the Lord. And if we didn't feel the Spirit, then we didn't have the Spirit. And, and uh, my goodness, you know, it was just like, constantly checking your feelings. And it was all about how I feel tonight. And if I don't feel that tonight, I don't know what's wrong. Cast it out. Uh, you know, just craziness. Turns into crazy. There's no foundation whatsoever. Well, unless we're judging somebody, then we had a lot of scriptures. <laughs> if we wanted to be mean, we knew how to do that. We could be mean. Like Copeland says, ain't no mean like church mean. And boy, that is the truth, isn't it? And so, uh, so I hope I'm helping you today with this. It's kind of just a, a rant and a rave. Scarlett knew this was coming because I gave her a sample on the way. I always said the, the pastor, the pastor's mate, pastor's wife or husband, whichever the case would be, is, uh, always gets to hear the sermon three times. Once the practice on the way to the church, at the church, and on the way home, what wasn't said that could have been. And then you got the fourth time when your spouse says, and here's what you shouldn't have said. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> you just ran three families out the door, you know. <laughs> Are you having a good time? I am. I'm enjoying this. So, uh, you know, we needed, uh, at the time of the what you call the faith movement, which was from really kind of started in the early 70s and and went through wherever. I won't, I won't touch the end of it because it's too fresh to get attacked. But I'll tell you, the thing, you know, we never... That the, 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 the move of that, in a sense, uh, switched uh, and changed directions a little bit. But, you know, we, it's like saying, well, we don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit anymore because that, the Pentecostal movement had its heyday in the early 1900s. 
but we do. We need we need what Martin Luther brought. We need what what the the Pentecostals brought. We need what the Charismatics brought, which was an openness to the to the gifts of the Spirit, and and anybody can be used of the Spirit, and anybody can can uh, re, can participate in tongues and interpretation and 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 uh, and those things. Amen. It's as the Spirit wills. It's to the body of Christ. It's not just to the preachers. And so we 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 thank God for that. Amen. Thank God for the faith movement. Oh my gosh, where would we be? Without the faith movement. Amen. Sorry if saying gosh offends you. Please don't write me a nasty note. So, uh, oh my goodness. There, that's better. What, uh, what would we, where would we be without what was brought to us during the, the emphasis days of faith and amen? And, uh, we always will preach faith. Well, anyway, so back to Brother Hagin. So he's preaching faith because the Lord gave it to him that he needs to preach faith because he said, this is what my people need. Go teach my people faith. That was his mandate. And he pretty well got it done, his mandate, because of Rama students especially and, and those who had come up through. There was a lot of people that are as much Rama as a Rama graduate because of the, the word that they've studied and followed. And they were in all the meetings and the conventions and, and, uh, interaction. Amen. And so just because somebody didn't graduate from Rama Bible training center doesn't mean that they're not Rama. Amen. They're not a, a word of faith person. I am word of faith. I'm telling you, uh, I often say I am the faith movement because I was there before there was a movement. You know, Brother Hagin was in our church in 1970 holding 10-day meetings and changed our life. Thank God. And I went to work for him seven years later to be his organist and pianist and and uh, teacher at healing school. And, and I taught in the school as well. And then my dad was a teacher there for 13 years. We are Word of Faith. We are Rama people. Amen. But I tell you what we're not going to do, and they're not even doing this at, at Rama or Kenneth Hagin Ministries. What we're not going to do is say, well, that was all the revelation there ever was, and we're not going to get any more, and that's the end of it. Because that's what every group does this. It says, we're it, no more discussion. Well, I got taught by my mentor, Dr. Kenneth E. Hagin Sr., <laughs> to always be hungry for the move of the Spirit. Amen. And uh, to always be reaching for uh, what's next in the spirit realm. Amen. Yeah. Lester Summerall used to come to Rama and he would teach. And he said, um, he said, I have been a part in my life of seven moves of God. And he says, I'm going to be a part of whatever God's doing right up to the time I leave the planet. And he was. Amen. He also told us, he says, you people will fight the next move of the Spirit because it's a historical certainty that you will do it. And uh, we all thought, well, how can that be? We are the move of God. <laughs> Found out God was moving. Sometimes God moves around us. <laughs> We're the post in the ground while the wind's blowing around, you know. 
Amen. The wind's blowing again. Yeah, and you're a stob in the ground and not moving. So, so Brother Hagan fulfilled his calling, I believe it. And it's still going forth and always will because truth always lives. Truth always lives. And I've talked to word people that said, I said, well, do you, you know, they'll talk, talk about their problems. I said, well, do you have any books like, you know, uh, about the, like my doctor, Charles Caps, you know, the, the authority of the, of, of the tongue or the power of the tongue. And then Brother Hagen's book, The Authority of the Believer and Right and Wrong Thinking and The Real Faith and all these great books. Have, do you have any of those? Oh, we threw those out. We had a garage sale. I, I don't know if Pastor uh, Scarlett, if you've heard anybody talk like that. There was one church that I know of in a place, and I don't want to even say which country and state, but and and city, but they decided to switch gears and kind of go in a little different direction culturally in their church. That's fine. Hey, you know God's not just trying to have one service, and uh, but they got so carried away with it they took all of the faith materials, including everything Brother Hagen had, from their bookstore and put it in the dumpster. So this one young man said that he had gone to the dumpster. He followed the janitor out with the stuff to go to the dumpster with the material. Not that, you know, there's, that doesn't mean that there's not a time to get rid of old Sunday school material or stuff that's no longer, you know, usable. But this was, this was, you know, up-to-date things and said he went to the dumpster to dumpster dive to get the all the tapes and the books and the things out and the pastor the new pastor you know who's 12 years old came and said uh what are you doing he says i'm dumpster diving i'm getting these books out he goes you can't have them he said why he says i don't want anybody reading that anymore that's over well see this is where we get off from rightly dividing. That's called wrongly dividing. You say, well, that emphasis of that, as it's strong as it was, has switched, but it doesn't mean that's not truth. And so he was saying, I don't want anybody to read that. Well, okay, so what you going to do, just wondering this pastor, what you going to do when somebody comes up and says, hey, you know, they've got a new cancer diagnosis, or they've got something that looks like the end of the world, coming to them, and you're going to tell them what? What are you going to tell them? How to believe God, how to confess, how to how to have the right thinking, how to use the authority of the believer, how to be strong in the face of a battle and a storm. And if you don't have any kind of faith teaching whatsoever, you're, they're just going to be a little pat on the hand. They might as well go to First Presbyterian. Sorry, but I, just, I love the Presbyterians, but I'm saying there's just not a lot of... A lot of strong authority teaching there. It's more something else. It's great. Whatever they have, it's good. God bless them. I'm not against it. But I'm just saying, why are you in a full gospel church if you're not going to walk in authority and power? Amen. And uh, so then we move to the grace movement. Praise the Lord. And I tell you what, I thank God again. You know, you've got you to rightly divide you got to throw out the bathwater sometimes to keep the baby. So, uh, right? Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. 
So thank God for the emphasis that we've had on grace and righteousness and who we are in Christ in that area. You know, one of the first books that I read on that was written by Kenneth Hagin in 1982. 1982. How about this new grace teaching? It's not new. Uh, Brother Copeland has a, had a book called The Force of Righteousness. Great book on who we are in Christ, that we need to be righteousness conscious and not sin conscious. And we need to, to uh, if we do sin, that we know that we have an advocate with the Father and he cleanses us of all righteousness. Amen. There needs to be an emphasis. But, you know, sometimes to, to, and so to say, well, it's all grace. We don't have to repent. We don't have to live holy. We don't have to walk holy, you know, you know is error. And so, is grace great? Yes, thank God. How about faith? Yes. But to tell people, well, now that you have faith, cancel all your insurance and, and don't go to the doctor. Well, that's, that's not rightly dividing. Amen. Bible says seek wisdom. Sometimes there's wisdom that God will give a doctor to help you. Don't be stupid. <laughs> Amen. Just because you're a, a, a Christian doesn't mean, you know, I can't stand that thing. Now, I, oh, boy, if I mention this, it's going to be, and I don't know what. But, you know, this vaccine thing, I, and I'm not telling anybody what to do. do. You do what brings you peace. Don't ask me my opinion. I ain't going to give it to you. But I will say that these things on Facebook that show, uh, you know, somebody has trusting in the needle or trusting in the Lord. That's your option. And I'm thinking you can trust in both. If you, you know, you can do whatever you, whatever you have peace to do. Amen. And that's, that, that is so condemning. It makes it look like that if you go to the doctor, if you do something, like that, you know what I'm saying? That you're not trusting God. That doesn't mean that at all. Huh. It's quiet in here. All the oxygen's left. Listen, I don't get my instructions to preach from Fox News. I get it from the Word of God. Because I've caught, and I love Fox News, and I love the people there, and they're nice to me, as you know. But I'm going to tell you something. I've caught them in bald-faced lies in this last year, and I'm thinking that because I, I knew the background, I knew the story, and they're twisting it. Just like it, they're all doing the same thing. You know why? Because sensationalism sells newspapers. So don't ever forget, they're the press. And Brother Hagin said there's been a problem with the press since Bible days because the Bible says that they couldn't get into the house where Jesus was teaching because of the press. Sorry, that was it's as corny now as it was when he said it. But I, lo- I like it anyway. So, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word is established. You have to rightly divide the truth. You can't take one little shred of Scripture and build a doctrine on it and call it whatever. You have to have two or three is better. How many know three is better than two? At least two, minimum of two, and it, better is to have at least three uh, witnesses of what you're believing. Amen. So, uh, so you can't just get stuck on one scripture and try to prove or disprove anything. 
it, it has to be Scripture confirming Scripture. Amen? And then, in the sense of the kingdom of God, it has to kind of make sense within the spirit of the kingdom. Now, it's the same thing on giving. You know, anything, anything could be run into the ditch. And I've been around the, I've been around ditch people in every subject. I've been around ditch grace people. I've been around ditch faith people. I've been around ditch, uh, prosperity people in this sense that, you know, is true. There's a, there's an old song we used to sing. You can't, you can't beat God giving no matter how hard you try. It's true. You can't outgive God. But you also have to use some common sense and listen to your spirit. Amen. And I've seen people that got carried away in a giveaway meeting. I know a guy in Tulsa, the holy city. Hallelujah. He was in a giveaway meeting in a certain ministry. People started giving away their stuff. Well, this guy had a brand new truck. Brand new truck. And uh, I guess his family had helped him. He was a young, young man is to get this truck and have it to go to school, to go to work. And he said he felt led of the Lord to give away his truck. But it was in a very heated meeting. There was a lot of pressure to do a lot of things. I'm just saying. And he gave away his truck to somebody. He all, What he did is he stood down front and he held up his keys and he said, the Lord told me to give this truck who needs one. Well, 40 people stampeded down there, almost had a stampede, and the first guy that grabbed the keys got the truck. This is sort of like a, I don't know what. Well, I found out, uh, and he said, because he was believing God for a better truck. Well, fine, if the Lord tells you to do that, and that's, you know, whatever, the spirit. But he got excited at the moment, see. And everybody says, well, that's, that's really good, give away your truck. Well, so he brought the, he went out in the truck, got the title out, everything, signed over the registration, gave it to somebody he didn't even know. Well, we found out that the guy that got the truck, here's the, how many want to know this truck story? So the guy that got the truck, who didn't have to really work for the truck or whatever, he's got the free truck. He went out and, and got a loan against the truck, defaulted on the loan and lost the truck. The guy that gave away the truck realized he had done it in in um, emotionalism and not in real faith. And so he ended up walking for the rest of the year and trying to hitch a ride, almost lost his job, trying to get to work, somebody give him a ride and all that. The Lord wasn't in that, folks. You say, well, the Lord told me to give you my car or whatever. Okay, that's great. Praise the Lord. I've, I've, I've given cars and received cars. Amen. But, you know, we need to listen to the Holy Spirit, right? And rightly divide the truth. A lot of people want to suddenly give away the farm and they're not even tithing. Can I go there? They're not even tithing regularly. They're not giving normally. They're not, they're not, you understand, they're not really following the word. And then all of a sudden, they're going to short circuit everything and do some, something fantastic. Hey, the Lord can do whatever He wants in your life. Amen. He's not bound to anything but His Word. But I'm, what I'm trying to say is any message. How many know there's a message of giving and there's a message of receiving 
and and isn't it great to be generous and to want to help? But I tell you what the Lord won't let you do. He won't let you be the Savior of the world. He's the Savior of the world. And sometimes people almost hurt themselves trying to be the Savior to everyone. And so that's what I'm talking about, where you're not just being generous and giving, but you're going to solve all the problems. You're going to feed all the hungry. You're going to clothe all the naked. No, that's the that's that's what the Lord does, and he does it through his body, He's not going to let you be the co-redemptor. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm just hitting all the home runs today, aren't I? Anytime you preach on anything balance or doctrine, you get in trouble. Because everybody likes their favorite pet whatever. But I tell you, I, uh, is, is, is love a good thing? Yes. Is grace a good thing? Amen. We're getting me saved without grace. Hallelujah. Is faith a good thing? You can't be saved without faith either. <laughs> what about what about prosperity and giving and receiving? Amen. We need all the teaching we can get on that. How about divine healing and the, these things? Walking uh, walking in love towards each other. But if that's all you preached and that's all you studied, you'd be a little lopsided. Amen. So we try to rightly divide. So like I was going to say about Brother Hagen, he felt impressed to the Lord, and the Lord told him to his face. Go teach my people faith. So he's teaching faith. And then he'd get this argument thrown at him. Well, you're not teaching the whole Bible. He said, nobody's teaching the whole Bible by themselves. You don't have enough time to do that. That's why we all need each other. Amen. So one, I believe that people, and I got this from my mentor, from Brother Hagen, one person could be an apostle of a message. You can be an apostle of a message. And he was talking about a, a, a man back in the day. I won't mention his name because some people don't like him, so I'm not going to bring it up. But uh, a, a man who was teaching uh, early, early, some of the earliest teachings on prosperity. And Brother Hagin said about this man, he says, I believe that he was an apostle of the prosperity message. Amen. To bring to the body of Christ. And so he got it slung at him too. Well, what about sacrifice? What about, you know, it's always something. It's like Donald Duck. You're not. So if you preach on faith, you get blasted for not preaching on love. If you preach on love, you get blasted for not preaching on, I don't know, what else. Amen. If you preach on grace, you're not preaching on repentance. And it's like, no, Repentance is part of grace. Grace gives us the ability to repent. Otherwise, we'd get fried every time we did something wrong. Get wrong and we get the cattle prod from heaven. You know. Say, what happened to you? Your hair's singed. Well, I was tasered. I got in an argument with my wife and I was tasered in the parking lot by God. You don't even get a chance to repent. You understand? It's like, the Gestapo or something. You, you, you did it wrong, you're done. But thank God, you know, repentance is not anti-grace. Uh, repentance is part of grace. Praise the Lord. But on the other hand, if all you preached was repent, 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 repent. I grew up in that group. If all you preached was repent, come to the altar, grovel, blow snot, you know, carry on, bite your neighbor, whatever. Confess your sins in front of the whole church behind the microphone. I grew up with that stuff. 
So if you all you hear is repent, 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 repent. Old MacDonald had a farm, and on that farm he had repentance. Here a repent, here a repent, there a repent. If all you preached was repent, you're going to have sin consciousness. You are. The church is just going to, all they think about is, ooh, what have I done wrong? And I'm displeasing to the Lord, and He's really mad at me. That's what you're going to get, is, is sin conscious people. And sin conscious people commit more sins than righteousness conscious people. Because that's all you're thinking about. I never heard so much talk as a teenager about sex until I went to youth class. I'm not kidding. I found out a lot of information about sex from the youth leaders in the church of God. Just to be honest. I love you, Cleveland, Tennessee. God bless you. But I'm just saying... We, we, I heard more about sex at church than I did at school. I understand that's changed now. But uh, I, I wasn't even thinking about something, you know, lust or fornication or whatever until I got in the youth class. Now we're going to talk about dating relationships. You know, it was like, oh, my God, you know, my ears are going to burn out. And then... Then you go to bed at night, it's all you think about. It's what they described. Wow. You know, so I'm just saying that if all you talk about is sin, 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 there's so much sin, here's a sin, there's a sin, everywhere a sin, you know. And then repent, repent, repent. God's mad. He wants to bless you, but he can't. You know, you're too much of a screw up. I'm telling you, that's that's all you're going to have. But on the other hand, there is room for repentance in balanced teaching. And there's a time to repent. And there's a time to come to the Lord and say, you know, I, I, I judge myself and I thank you for your righteousness that you love me and forgive me. Amen? Come on, people. I think we can get all this and be balanced and not be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. Preach, pastor! All right, that's enough. <laughs> Let's lift our hands and praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Pastor Scarlett, would you come help me with this? I got a word from the Lord. Tongues and interpretation. You're the interpreter. Oh, goody, right? Praise God. Rosita la manande le becos tata, defes no le brahtende tata de bdende la basu, vreslitna niste le botu, benste kalabana, boste la brasi von standa. And so stand and see the salvation of the Lord. See the Lord move in your life and let him move freely in your life. And just as these different moves of the Spirit have been through these different decades of even our lifetime, you should see the Spirit of God move in all these areas of your life. And as you do, you can rightly divide the truth and understand that he is truth and where he is, there's the truth and there's the freedom. And so you will rise up on a tea and roast at a vacancia, black cushtang and grand stead of Oslinda, 
Rasita Bosotora Le Storwa Arabasi Astangaleba Sabatika. And you shall rise, and the glory of the Lord shall shine upon you. And you won't stay stuck in this or that or the other, but you'll be able to move forward in great grace and great life flowing through you and the strength of God upholding you. And even the joy of the Lord Amen. will you stand before him and praise and worship and shouting and dancing here and dancing and shouting Amen. there and saying the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and praise Him. Thank Him. You got anything? You want to pray for anybody? Praise you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We thank you for freedom. We thank you we're not entangled with bondage. We, we're free Amen. to move with you. And however you say and whatever you do and, and whatever the move of the Spirit is on the earth, we want to be right there in the midst of that, what you are doing. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that we are free to follow you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for freedom and liberty. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And we will not be hindered. We will not be hindered by uh, uh, extremes. We will not be hindered by, by people. We will not be hindered by the enemy. But we'll follow on to know you and to know you intimately and to know your spirit intimately and hear what the spirit of God is saying to the church. And we thank you for it, Father. And we pray for our brothers and sisters the Amen. same thing, for freedom and truth and liberty. Hallelujah. And, the, and, the, and we won't despise the things of God, uh, but we'll freely receive what you have for us, Lord. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, in the area of finances... And in the area of material ownership, um, and this is for some in this room and some on the Internet, there's been what looks like permanent loss, permanent theft, permanent departure of certain things. But I'm here to tell you by the Spirit of God that it's a lie from the pit of hell and that you keep praising the Lord for what belongs to you and you hold on to it, and you tell the devil that every day that he holds up what is coming to you, he has to pay interest on it in Jesus' name. And so the the it might be money that was spent, it might be money that was invested, it might be whatever, but in the name of Jesus, the devil does not have it. He 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 looks like he has it, but he doesn't have it, saith the Lord. Saith the Lord. You listen to this. In Jesus' name, you take authority with me. In the name of Jesus, we take authority over that which has been absconded with, and we command it back. We command it back with spoils. In Jesus' name, amen. And double for our trouble. Double for our trouble. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and praise Him. Thank God. We're going to have a move of God in this church if it hair lips the devil. So lift up your head. Lift up your voice. Lift up your hands. 
Look up, for your redemption is here, saith the Lord. And this is the day of victory. This is the day of joy. This is the day of defeating the evil one, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Cause for much celebration. Cause for much dancing. Cause for much joy. And you'll say, I can't even believe this has happened. I can't even see that this has happened. I can't even understand how it's happened, but it's happened and you'll rejoice and you'll be glad and you'll share and you'll be an inspiration to others, saith the Lord. Praise the Lord, for this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Well, we can just go on all afternoon, but we won't. <laughs> praise God. Let's lift our hands and praise Him.